You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. You're listening to Represent. Welcome to Represent in 2023. So my name is Bridie and I'm going to be producing Represent this year, taking over from Mimi and George, which is super exciting. So today on the show, we've got Lachlan with me and we have a special guest with us whose name is Ruby Sate and she is an out-of-home care advocate who's currently nominated for an exciting award, which we're going to hear more about in a minute. So today we're going to be talking about Ruby's work as an advocate. We'll be chatting about the uh, Indigenous Voice to Parliament and we're going to chat a little bit about the significant resignations that we've seen in politics over the summer as well as some natural disasters that we've seen. You're listening to Represent on Sin. That was When the Curtains Close by Siobhan Cochin. So we are about to chat with Ruby Sate about um, youth homelessness, out-of-home care. Lachlan, do you want to start off the questions? Yeah, I mean, well, look, for the for the first episode of Represent, I felt like I should bring in a representative, mm-hmm. a grassroots advocate, and Ruby, Ruby is definitely that. She's nominated for the Seven News Victorian Young Achiever Awards for her advocacy around, you know, again, youth homelessness and out-of-home care. Um, and you find out if you're a semi-finalist for that pretty soon, don't you? Yeah, I do. So the award is the uh, Sawyer Dawson's Social Impact Young Achiever Awards. And uh, yeah, I find out if I'm a semi-finalist and then we'll go on to the gala, which is where all the nominees get to kind of celebrate all the amazing work that we do. Yeah. yeah. Great. So, and so what, what is that work? Yes. Elevator pitch. Let's go. I'm putting (laughs) you on the spot. All right. So uh, the work I do is I do a lot of advocacy work about youth homelessness, uh, out-of-home care, uh, being uh, either residential care, foster care, kingship care, and just kind of being a voice for those that are either too young to kind of speak out for themselves or don't really know what to say about what they're experiencing and kind of just helping that. So I work with organisations like CREATE, the Commission of Children and Young People, the Centre for Wel- Excellence in Child and Family Welfare, Race and Expectations, and even the Y, which is another great organisation that I do a lot of volunteer work with. 
Uh, so, yeah, it just kind of all comes down to having a voice and speaking up about it, and then I kind of partner that with my journalism to kind of amplify that. So, yeah. Cool. So, speaking of your journalism, you did a bit of an internship with ABC Gippsland. We would love to hear more about that. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So, uh, I got the I got offered an internship at ABC Sale um, uh, last year, around July, because I uh, did a bit a report on a bill uh, with Youth Parliament, and they were like to me, "We don't really do." freelance articles but we love your ideas we love your stories do you want to come do an internship and I was like yes there was no brainer <laughs> of course uh, previously so at the start of last year they actually did a story on me and I spoke on radio about my experience and um, they published an article about my experience in homelessness uh, experience in out-of-home care and just uh, kind of the the rise of Ruby as some people have said um, showing from from a 16 year old who kind of just didn't know where she was going into the world to now a 21 year old who is going to uni who is living by herself who's like advocating for other young people so it's kind of just gone up and up really yeah that's great so you're working with all these organizations um are you making demands of the government or are there things that you want the government to do yeah definitely so one thing that i really think is important is raising the age to 25 for support so right now uh young people in out-of-home care foster care residential care they all get support until they're 21 so they get like a support with better futures which helps them get jobs get into school uh basically helps everyday life even if it's just food shopping credit uh driving lessons all that um but as soon as you turn 21 it goes away and that was what happened to me a couple of months ago and it was terrifying. I also don't really have support from my family so having like no support at all just kind of felt really daunting so I think that young people everywhere should be able to have support until they're 25 because those that live with their parents still can have that support so why can't we? Yeah absolutely. Um, so are there government initiatives? Obviously there are things all over the world like, you know, the universal basic income over in like Scandinavia. Are there specific initiatives that you've noticed in different places that you want to bring to Melbourne or Australia in general? Um, that's actually a good question because the organisations that I work with, they always strive to kind of go above and beyond. Uh, there's this organisation called Race Expectations who actually help uh, those with an out-of-home care experience go to university. They fund it or they give scholarships out um, and they support in any way possible to help with that. There's also this other uh, organisation uh, in Sydney who actually give scholarships to young people in out-of-home care and it's the only scholarship I was eligible for to actually go to uni and so I actually managed to get that and they actually do amazing work all over Australia which is really amazing. Same with Create same with the commission like it's really I think it's more that uh, it's more about uh, allowing other young people to know about these organisations so they can actually get the support that they deserve. Now there was one story we covered on Sin News last week that you gave us some comment for and that was the, the development that the Andrews Labor government will be building more than 130 new homes around Victoria. Now what was your reaction to that last week? Oh, I was amazed when I heard that. 
So, like, if I had had that a bit, had that opportunity or had that uh, available to me when I was seventeen, I it would have been such an amazing uh, thing to have because when I was seventeen, I actually had to live in a hotel for a month due to not having anywhere to live. So, hearing that and knowing that young people who might be struggling with youth homelessness now have a chance to actually have a roof over their head and potentially even a hot meal and everything so it's actually it's amazing and it's great to see that after such hard work that so many people are doing it's actually coming to life and actually there's something to show for it i want to touch on that actually that you know you did spend a month in a hotel because i think people have all of these preconceptions about what homelessness looks like and in your case certainly in your experience there can be a variety of different experiences yeah, definitely. So obviously youth homelessness can be a lot of different things from uh, couch surfing to living in a hotel to not even having a roof over your head. It really kind of just deems down to kind of what you think it is. And personally, I know where I didn't know where I was going to be. My I was I just enrolled in uh, TAFE, so I was trying to actually finish high school and I was homeless and I couldn't focus on going to school and then I had two DHS workers come into my hotel room told me that if I didn't find a place to live within a week they were going to send me interstate away from my friends and family and I'd never see them ever again and I was crushed like seeing that like having no advocate for me and just hearing that it made me want to kind of uh strive and fight to have my voice heard and I think that's kind of what uh, started all this advocacy work and volunteer work because I have a voice and I'm going to speak loud. Yeah absolutely so going from that point to where you are now I mean it is like you said the rise of Ruby like it's just kind of like, almost like a different person a different life. Um, where are you going next? Uh, yeah, so uh, currently I am the Youth Press Gallery Director at The Y, which is, organi- is a program run to help young people who are interested in uh, journalism. So I'm doing that currently uh, for most of the year, and then I'm working on to becoming a journalist. So I'm hopefully going to be studying my second year of my Bachelor of Communications in a few weeks, and then hopefully keep on going from there. But yeah, I just I want to keep on experiencing Melbourne life and uh, living and exploring and kind of finding my own sound and my own voice within myself and kind of trying to find a way to figure out who I am away from advocacy and away from being that girl that was in out of home care and being that girl that was homeless because of course that is a huge part of my life and a huge part of who I am but it doesn't define me and it doesn't define anyone who's experienced that it's only a way to make you stronger and more powerful. Absolutely. Who is Ruby Sace? <laughs> she is a girl who loves VR, who loves Just Dance, and who is just loves to do anything and everything. And it's just, it's really great to see her smile and laugh again. So, yeah. Yeah, fabulous. So, it was so great chatting to you today, Ruby. Um, we'll leave it there. So, coming right up is Rotation by Manuela Tomei. Um, thanks very much for chatting to us, Ruby. You're listening to Represent. That was So Crates by Cezanne. You're listening to Represent here on Sin with Bridie, Lachlan and Ruby. So we are about to chat about the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. So it's been a pretty big summer of 
talking about The Voice. I feel like every other day I've been hearing about it, if not every day. So we've still got a date that's yet to be set. We don't actually know exactly when the referendum is going to be. I heard a rumour oh, today, SBS News. This is like literally just an hour ago. Okay, exciting. Um, Fresh off the press, Albo breaking has, news. Actually, actually, this is an exclusive. We need like the dun-dun-dun. Yeah. <laughs> the sound effect that we have. Um, no, but the SBS um, is reporting that Albo has kind of narrowed it down. It was going to be between August and November. Okay. Now he's gone. Now it'll be kind of September, October, November. And then in that, it can only be on a Saturday. And uh-huh. then they're looking at the sitting dates and school holidays and all of that. So the SBS's prediction is the 14th of October. Okay. Because that would give them a month to kind of campaign after a sitting week. Yeah. And they've got so kind of a clear month to, to yeah, be a little right. bit more focused on it. So that is that is the rumour. That is the, yeah, Very just floating out there, swirling around. I think someone in my family's birthday is on that day, so exciting for my cousin. Um, yeah, interesting. I wonder what sort of, you know, which journalists went, hmm, August to November, sitting dates, put it all together. <laughs> right, I can just imagine, like, the, you know, like, the corkboard and, like, the, the red mm-hmm. string. Yeah. <laughs> so, campaigning for and against has kicked off um, this week. So, we've seen the Labor launch, which had Albo, Linda Burney, um, heaps of advocates from pretty much all over the country, was out in central west New South Wales in Orange. Um, there's been quite a lot of chaos over the summer with regards to The Voice. I reckon the most significant would be Lydia Thorpe having resigned from the Greens. Absolutely. Um, which was kind of expected, I feel, personally. I wasn't surprised. Um, I feel like she'd been so vehemently against it, whereas a lot of the Greens' supporter base on the whole does support the voice so obviously she has a totally valid point in wanting treaty first um and i think it's reasonable but from what i've read from a lot of other indigenous voices um pat dodson and noel pearson you know etc they've all just said the voice is happening like now whereas treaty would take a long time but the voice is kind of a much more present thing that can be changed much more um much more, much sooner, much more currently, etc. Mm. There's so, been there's been a little bit made about, you know, was it appropriate for Lydia to mm. resign over over her stance on the voice? Because on one part, you know, it it is important to be able to be true to yourself and to be true to your values. But on the other part, she wasn't running as an MP; she was running for the upper house, the Senate, and so got a lot of vote. Well, the majority of votes. Because from people voting above the line for correct. the party over the personality. So yeah. now you have some people in Victoria who are like, well, that's not exactly what I signed up for. Exactly, and that was going to be my next question. Like, do you think it's reasonable for her to resign over an issue like this? Because a lot of people, what I've heard sort of anecdotally, is that people kind of think that, that they didn't vote for her as an independent, they voted for her on the values of the Greens. I mean, I'm never going to complain about a politician having a conscience. Exactly. Right? I, think I feel like saying, it's this. We're always complaining about yeah. the opposite, that they compromise themselves, they compromise exactly. their values. Here we have someone standing up for what they believe in. And it might not necessarily be something that everyone believes in. Yeah. But, you know, she's she's making a stand. And that's something that's actually quite refreshing, I think, a little bit of honesty yeah. over, you know what, I'm actually not compatible with the party. Agreed. And I think that, I mean, there are other, it's not like there are no other independents in the Senate. 
like there are so many there's Jackie Lambie there you know there was Nick Xenophon there's the other side there's Pauline Hanson etc they're all there as independents not as part of a party or as part of a very minor party so I don't think it's kind of entirely reasonable to just say like oh now she's an independent that's not what I voted for obviously if she was part of the Greens she's dedicated a large portion of her life to living green values and you know supporting those ideals it's not as if they're going to change just like that from having left the party yeah yeah i guess so again the argument would be that with pauline with jackie lambie especially right people really know what they've signed up for there Mm. right running on that independent platform whereas with lydia it was you know a bit of support from from the party from the party platform now yeah true so, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation. It is. It really is. So, moving on to the next kind of party crisis is the Liberals. They don't know what they're doing um, with regards to being for or against. Obviously, we talked about this a lot last year. Referendums are very, very hard to pass without bipartisan support, especially. We know 8 out of 44 in the whole history of Australia uh, since Federation have passed, um, which is not a super great (laughs) hit rate um so according to abc party sources think that it's going to come down to a conscience vote do you think that a conscience vote is the right thing for the liberals to do do you think they should take a stance one way or the other i mean i think it would be easier to coalesce a party around you know a single a single idea a single yes or a no if they had a leader Right. Who when was you say that? party, do you mean the party the supporter party, base or the actual MPs? Honestly, in a sense, both, mm-hmm. right? Um, if they had a leader to kind of coalesce that support around. And I think a lot of people were thinking that maybe Josh Frydenberg was about to be that leader. Mm. Scott Morrison, for all of his fo- faults, was at a point in time certainly that leader, right? Yeah. Peter Dutton, on the other hand, perhaps isn't able to command as much yeah. of that support. And so it may be that a constant vote isn't the best idea, but it may be the only option available to them. I agree. I think that to announce, you know, one way or the other that MPs have to do it, I think that would just result in so many kind of defections one way or the other, whichever way it mm. ends up being. And especially because the Nationals have said no, there are those hard-right Liberal MPs that will just say, I'm not voting yes. Absolutely. I'm in the no camp. And that's, that's the thing, is, like, you had people, except for maybe Bridget, Bridget Archer, right, mm. who wouldn't dare speak out Absolutely. against Scott Morrison. And, you know, some people say that maybe that's why they lost the federal election. Mm. Um, but for better or worse, there was that unity that it doesn't appear exists at this point in time. Definitely, yeah. I think it's so interesting, that kind of complete collapse of the real strong party base. Now, it was... They always said, it's a broad church, we're a broad church party, but really... Maybe a little too broad. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so Noel Pearson, who's a land rights activist, was on 7.30 last night. Um, He said that a a failure of the voice to get up, to pass, would represent a failure of leadership. Um, A lot of the criticisms that I've heard are that it wouldn't practically make changes in people's, real people's lives, you know, in communities like Alice Springs or Cape York, and especially in the context of Alice Springs with the kind of alcohol crime crisis that we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, Noel Pearson essentially said that 
that's the entire goal of The Voice. Like, addressing those grassroots issues is what The Voice is all about. And, you know, the people who have written the kind of draft text at the from the Uluru Statement from the Heart, that's their goal. That was their goal back in 2017. Um, I also think it's really interesting to note, just going back to the Liberals, I've just thought of this, um, that that was all under Malcolm Turnbull's leadership in 2017, and now he's gone, Scott Morrison's gone, there's been so much change, and they've just kind of fallen to pieces, really. I mean, as, as Malcolm Turnbull liked to say, continuity and change. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so Noel Pearson said that Peter Dutton should support it and that his support was very important and that he was appalled Tony Abbott had come out against it. I mean, do I think it's good that Tony Abbott has come out against it? Absolutely not. But is it surprising? Also no. <laughs> um, so Pearson said, I really think that this kind of reflexive opposition that too many like Tony are adopting in relation to this issue is a travesty for the country. I work day in, day out in the stony fields of Indigenous disadvantage and struggle, and I can tell you that out of all the work we do, the most help that we can get to get on top of our problems is to have a voice to the government and a voice to the parliament. It's absolutely crucial. So I thought that was interesting because, you know, it is kind of the message that the voice, on the whole, I think is seen as a kind of administrative thing. I think in the popular kind of idea people think of it as something that just kind of advises on white papers or on legislation but when you hear it like that from you know someone who's been so involved in this fight for so long that it really is a practical thing it's like on the ground aiming to make change and yeah. i think yeah it's interesting to have that kind of reframed i mean the most important way. thing right is with this voice is it something that can achieve practical change. Mm. And that's something that, you know, maybe some people, including, right, Lydia Thorpe, right? So people on the left and on the right aren't quite convinced of. Yeah. Yet. And that is going to be Albo's job exactly. to convince the public, is this is this worthwhile? And I, you know, I find it interesting you actually brought up, right, the alcohol bans in DNT earlier, because that law around the, the alcohol restrictions, of course, brought in under John Howard, that lapsed probably last, last July. Yeah, it and was a long time it to was, kind it of was reach a this long point. time to get to this point of finally Anthony Albanese flying to the Northern Territory and listening to that community. Mm. So I guess what I'm what I'm kind of saying here, right, is it's all well and good to talk about a voice, but at the end of the day, will the government listen? Yeah, and absolutely. Because they've demonstrated that, it, you know, certainly, you know, it can be a challenge to get the ear of the government. Yeah, totally. And I think the kind of idea of The Voice is that it hopefully wouldn't have to reach that point. But again, because there's been so little detail re released about how it's going to look, I think that makes it very hard for the public to kind of almost understand how it's going to make practical change. I mean, there is there is a lot of detail, actually, to be fair, in, in reports that have been done. Mm. But, but is the government so going... Kind of, oh, not, as, not as the government, is the public going to read a report? Exactly. They're so kind of unconsumable for, you know, your average Joe on the street. Like, who's going to go and read the report? Really, the government needs, I think, needs to do a better job of communicating the contents. And Just make it, make it a little bit more accessible. Yeah, and more digestible. Exactly. So, um, another interesting article I read in the ABC was about how Paddy Mills, who's the basketball player, um, is also speaking out in favour of The Voice, and he's planning to use projects like Indigenous Basketball Australia in order to educate young people. And 
I remember chatting about this last year in the context of soccer with George. Um, I think sports are such a good way to reach young people. Like, it reaches people in a way that, you know, the media and the news really doesn't. Um, I think it's really quite forward-thinking of Paddy Mills to to think of this and to kind of put this in action. So he's... What he, all of his quotes in this article were kind of clearly trying to stay a little bit out of politics and saying he's very much in favour of recognising Australia's unique culture and our unique way of life and things like that. Um, so he wasn't consulted in the kind of development of the voice and he didn't weigh in, but after the kind of plan for the referendum has been released, he's become strongly in favour of it. Um, he's comparing it as, in terms of significance to what his family has had to go through. So his mum was a member of the Stolen Generation and his great-uncle is Eddie Marbo, which is, you know, kind of the most significant land rights case in the country. Um, I also read that John Maynard wrote in The Guardian about how the fight for a voice has been going on since the 1920s, which is just kind of blows my mind, like it's taken this long. But what do you think happens if it doesn't get up? Like, where does that leave us? That is honestly a, a great question. I <laughs> um, should probably ask that to Albo, not to you. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? I think Albo is going to be the one who has to answer that question. Mm. And if the voice doesn't get up, especially after all of the talk and all of the campaigning from Albo about it has to happen this year, the referendum has to happen this year, we can't delay it, um, we're not going to release kind of more accessible details on it, we're not going to maybe implement the body before the referendum, all of these are choices that Albo has made. And if the voice doesn't get up after all of this and after all of his advocacy, I don't see how Albo would be able to reconcile that with continuing to lead the Labour Party. Yeah, because it was it was the first thing he said when he went on stage after winning the election, you know, committing to the Uluru Statement and to the voice. Yeah, so in a way as well, it, it may be that this is a referendum on, on, on that promise, on, on his well. leadership as well. Um, but I, I do want to just kind of circle back to, to Paddy Mills, right? Because mm. you're absolutely right that sport is where, you know, sport's reaching young people. And over the next, you know, if it's on the 14th of October, maybe over the next eight months, um, if that rumour is to be believed, right, the voice and politics in general, right, it's not decided in the Houses of Parliament. No. It's not decided on the news. It's decided on basketball courts, around kitchen tables. And that's where, you know, Albo and all of these people who are campaigning for it, but also people who don't think it's a good idea, who are pursuing alternatives like Lydia Thorpe or possibly Peter Dutton, depending on where he lands, they're going to need to reach those people and they're going to need to get there. And right now that's not happening. Yeah, definitely. I think that's such a tricky kind of place to be for a politician to have to persuade people who are kind of almost untouchable in that sense. Yeah, that kind of fascinates me and how they strategize about that, but that's a whole other conversation really. So let's move to a song now. Um, this is Girl, Sc- Girl Scout by Run Me Over. Uh, you are listening to Represent here on Sin. You are back on Represent with Bridie and Lachlan. So, for our last segment of the day, we are going to chat about Lachlan's newly coined slogan, Summer Scalps. Summer Scalps. There's been so many resignations. There's been so many resignations and high-profile ones. Yeah. 
So, I think what, like, I mean, honestly, where do we even begin? There's so many. And all of these people are so tired as yeah. well, right? Are you feeling tired? I mean, I am. <laughs> That's my kind of way of life, just, I think. Just generally always. But um, yeah. these politicians are a little bit more tired than usual. Apparently so. Uh, over the last <laughs> couple of weeks. So, let's start a little closer to home. We had mm. Cinder Ardern. Mm-hmm. And um, she did call a, a bit of a press conference. I remember, I feel like it's, you know, when those like big news events happen it's like you remember where you were <laughs> i remember where i was what i heard because i was like where with, were you i was with people actually Ooh. um in in an office in the sin office and like the alert came through on everyone's phones and it was like oh my gosh yeah because well, i don't I think anyone <laughs> i mean i think in new zealand they saw it coming she probably was, she was a little bit on the rocks with them but yeah. over here right we only ever hear good things exactly we so never, it was a bit of a bit I of mean, a shock to you us read horses. articles from new zealand and they're kind of they're just not that kind of fond of her like we are mm. everyone here would kind of wants us to go to war with new zealand and then surrender immediately so they can take over <laughs> um, I mean, everyone wants what they can't have exactly exactly yeah i thought it was fascinating that she resigned i didn't expect it i wouldn't have picked it um but it does make sense. She's been there for a long time. She's been there through some really hard times, you know, the Christchurch attacks, the White Island volcano, and then COVID. Um, so it's not exactly been a, you know, easy premiership. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, it's almost like dog years and Jacinda years. Like, yeah. What it was like maybe like five, five, years? five years, but it was like probably with all the disasters going on, closer to 20. Yeah. In Jacinda years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So, fair play to her for, for making it that long. But also, I think it's just, it, 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 is, it is nice, I think. It's a little bit refreshing to have a politician. I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of, well, there are all sorts of theories about, you know, why did she really resign? Mm, but even just to, to speak out and go, you know what, this job's hard. It is. It's hard yeah. being a politician. Like, we all, we all think, especially, you know, being political journalists, oh, we could do it. Yeah. But easy, no, easy. Like it's, it's nuts. Yeah. And I mean, being prime minister of a country like that's kind of insane. That's a like that's like twenty five million people in Australia that you're the boss of essentially. Yeah, and she has a you know a kid, a family, mm. um, a life outside of politics. She's got also. stuff to do. Exactly. She's busy. Yeah, yeah. Probably less busy now than she was a month exactly. ago. <laughs> And then moving further away from home, we've got Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland. We do. Um, again, that was one where, like, it was a long time. Yeah. And she, she was, was pretty popular. Like, they'd just been elected. Yeah, and she was the first and longest-serving female Prime Minister of Scotland as well. And then went, no, time to call it. Yeah, which is so interesting. Yeah, again, there was a bit of a bit of controversy, I think, in Scotland. Again, there's all of these adjacent controversies, but mm. also... It's that time of the year, so it depends how kind of conspiratorial you want to be, right? Was it the political thing? Was it that they were just tired? Maybe it's a little bit more in the middle. It's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, certainly with Nicola Sturgeon, right? There was um, a bit of a bit of controversy over um, the uh, transgender rights mm-hmm. bill, making it easier to transition gender, um, and it appears that perhaps the general public in Scotland isn't quite at where Nicola Sturgeon is mm. in terms of openness to to you know um legislating around that issue um so certainly there's been the argument made that no she's gone too fast um it's not it's not it's yeah it's not something that the yeah. public was wanting it's like and so, the overton window where absolutely. it's kind of not 
in the window where it's palatable no, to the general no, public. I yeah. think she'd, she'd, she'd opened the window yeah. and had stepped out of it a bit, so... <laughs> she jumped out the window. <laughs> she jumped... She Look, she jumped out the window and, again, like, fair play to her, again, she said, similarly to Jacinda Ardern, that, you know, it was a long time coming. Yeah. It's not Which just it this was. overnight she'd thing. She'd also been there for a long time. Exactly. And I think that... I mean, there's got to be some truth to that. No one wakes up being Prime Minister and goes, you know what, today... I'm going I'm not, to resign. I'm not feeling like it. I'm going to resign today. Can't be bothered. No. Can't be stuffed. No. It's a little bit... Look, I think there's a little bit more thought goes into resigning And they've spent their then. whole lives leading up to that point as well. You're not going to just give it away. Cause exactly. I mean, I... I chose to resign from one of my jobs yesterday, but and that was that was that was a little bit quicker. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't have twenty five million people to think exactly. about, so it's a little different. I think Scotland has also got the kind of added trickiness of the independence movement. Obviously, the UK there's all that kind of turmoil within the country about independence, not independence. You know, that resentment towards England and the crown and etc. And I mean, Nicola yeah. Sturgeon really was the figurehead for kind of take two of that. Exactly. Right? Of, you know, she kind of came in after that first referendum. It didn't go the way that the, the Scottish Nationalist Party wanted. And I think everyone kind of knew what they were getting with her, that there would be a, a second go at it. Yeah. And she was gearing up for that. And she she's was. gone, no. Nah, yeah. Won't be me. I mean, so, that would be. It must be hard, I think, especially coming off, like, the IRA, you know, in the Troubles and everything in mm. Ireland, that kind of reframing the independence movement from that would be very tricky as a politician, I think, because there are a lot of... There's a lot of resentment and a lot of almost kind of trauma from people who were affected by the, what the IRA did mm. in the end. It's actually interesting you bring up Northern Ireland because... <laughs> We're talking about all these politicians wanting a break. Northern Ireland still doesn't have a government yet. Yeah. They had an election, and then they just went, no, nah, not yet. We don't <laughs> want to leave. We'll figure it out. It's been a couple months. Yeah. So, honestly, maybe if, you know, Jacinda and, and Nicola want a bit they of a break, they should... move up there. Move, yeah, move to Northern Ireland. Give that a go. Yeah. Much longer it's holidays. Smaller. <laughs> smaller, more manageable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call Northern Ireland more manageable. That'd no, be, it's, a, it's a tricky spot. It would take the two of them yeah. to sort out. <laughs> it would. Well, I think we might leave it there for today. Yeah, thanks so, for having me, Bridie. No problem. Thanks for coming on, Lachlan. <laughs> um, we have a couple of things to promo before we go. We do. Would you like to do the exciting new app Community news? newsletter. Yes. Let me get up. Um, let me get up all of the things that we have to read up because there's literally so much to promote. <laughs> we have sinners in the chapel coming up this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Are you going? I am going. Actually, you are going. I am. Okay. Um, are you going? I'm going. I'm. I'm doing the social media for it. Oh, of so, course. So yeah, I'll be there and I'll be taking all the you know the Instagram shots of you. Of course. You're there, <laughs> so you, you better you better be there. I'll be photographic up. evidence. Um, so we've got that coming up. What else have we got? We've to, got to an exciting new app that you can listen to Sin on. We do. Which we is do. called. It's called Community Radio Plus, mm-hmm. and um, the team in the office actually were very excited to tell me about this. Because, I bet um, they were. I mean, we, we know there's some people who go, oh, I should be able to stream Sin from sing.org.au. That's not how it works. No. No. Of course, that work. play button is, is decorative. The app <laughs> does work. I've tested it out myself. That's exciting. And that's definitely where I'll be streaming next week's episode of Represent From. Oh. If you're not in the studio, that If I'm is. not in the studio, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Political turmoil here as well. Yeah. 
Is there anything else that you want to promote? Is there anything else? Honestly, not yet, but time will tell. Time will tell. Well, thanks for tuning in to Represent Here on Sin. We've been your hosts, Lachlan and Bridie. You can keep up to date and let us know what you thought of our social on the sh- let us know what you thought of the show on our socials. Find us at Sin Represent on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to hear this episode again or catch up on any of our old episodes, you can find our podcast on Omni at Represent. And remember to stay political. You're listening to Sin. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show.